Welcome to episode 85 of the Two on Three podcast, a weekly hour-long show where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me posting mild boasts about my unpleasantly volatile golf abilities at SEATJK, and with me as always is Chris. Where can we watch you post your warm-up routine, Chris? Uh, my warm-up routine is shockingly like, uh, you know, unhealthy man with the knees and the, and the stretchiness. But, uh, <laughs> but I won't be posting that. Cause no, 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 no thirty second video of you uh, doing all of your pre round calisthenics for us. <laughs> no, but if I were to post it, I'd post it at CD Villasenor. Fantastic. Well, interact the show at, on Twitter at two on three pod or hit us up via email at Hello. at two on three pod dot com. You know how much we love to hear from you. Today, summer is coming to a close, and with it comes the end of the PGA season. And as you're listening to this, we'll be in the heart of the Tour Championship, a soulless cash grab that offers a tip-top field and an immediately forgettable champion. We're going to use that as an excuse to be a golf podcast tonight, but don't shut it off yet. We promise to make it fun, even for those non-stick men and stick women among us. I don't know if it's entirely soulless. It's it's not great. <laughs> I You know, I think the big money, big money makes it more interesting you think so because i don't I think so really no you don't think that you don't think that the the monster payout is is enough i don't care about rich people getting richer it's not like if the nba finals ended with people getting a cash prize i'd be more into it i don't know i mean it's pretty cool like in poker when they put the big big all the money on the table wouldn't it be better if maybe all the 15 million dollars was in cash like on a table like next to the 18th green would that make it better? <laughs> I think I'd rather I'd rather just have like a lot of side games and stuff. I think that's my biggest problem is that, and we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, is that All right. regular golf is just not interesting enough, and particularly when you get down to it. Yeah, I want to watch the best players go against each other. Don't get me wrong. But when it's just for one of them to, I don't know, buy a new yacht, I don't really care about that. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, in segment one, we'll talk about all the bullshit rules of golf, and uh, we'll touch on pace of play problems. Uh, We'll move on to fixing the wraparound season with an all-new team golf event. Stay tuned for that. And finally, we're going in on the bad golf habits of, I mean cheating, I mean wait, of the commander-in-chief and the ongoing golf class wars. Dejawa awaits beyond the buzzer along with the OT where we'll check in on Madonna's latest reimagining. So since we're talking golf tonight, let's get right into it and start with a breakdown of Bruce, uh, Brooks Kepka's body. I had to work right there, not to say Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Koopka. Koopka. Yes. I, fair warning, I'm only going to refer to him as Bruce Koopa, Bruce Koopka for the remainder of this podcast. At our house, we refer to him as Bruce Kapika. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can, yeah. But but Bruce Koopka is certainly a good thing. It's very a Brett Favre. Kapika. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Koepka. All right. So before we get to the actual topics tonight, I. I was chatting on the course with some friends of mine about the fact that Bryson DeChambeau is annoying. <laughs> well, that's a mild, that's putting it mildly, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So my, my, I, so we're getting in the fact that the golf media, you know, sort of we're in the, the sunset of Tiger's involvement really in the game anymore. And, and the golf media really seems to be struggling to do some myth-making. And so I had that conversation, and quite literally that day, I get home to find this month's issue, I guess next month's issue, rather, of Golf Magazine. And it's Bryson on the cover with the word genius, question mark. And my response is no. 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 <laughs> and this has been the most annoying thing about Bryson DeChambeau since he got on. The guy gets a physics degree, like an undergraduate physics degree. I mean, is it even 
and they they and he talks a bunch of half the stuff that comes out of his mouth is complete bullshit like it's entirely and i know the the golf media loves to buy off on it i mean i have an engineering degree so i mean i've done some science i've studied some science at least maybe more than bryson dechambeau apparently because like i said more than half of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just complete and utter crap it's he uses terms and the golf media is like oh let me write that down if you and have a career, oh, go ahead. It's ridiculous, and and of course they want to brand him as something like he's the professor, he's the phys- he's the physicist. It's like ugh, it's eye rolly on a on a regular basis for me. I agree. And in the same round, we were talking about this subject, and I, I said I'm also tired of hearing about how you know Bruce Kupka lifts weights. Like oh, he looks like a linebacker out here. No, he he looks like a standard work guy who works out. He he doesn't even look like an nfl punter <laughs> no he, have you seen nfl punters these days have you seen the seahawks kicker i think his name is jason myers like what is he just doing curls all day like, what are you doing yes this is this is another one of those funny things where where the golf media likes to portray golfers and they're great athletes there's no question about it but to but to say that bruce kepke could play Bruce Kepka, <laughs> Bruce Kupka, Kupka, Kepka, Brooks Kepka, could could even sniff an NFL anything no. is embarrassing. It's just, it's not even. It's it, again, it's just crap. I don't know. They just they they're trying to make some sort of they're trying to build some sort of brand around him, and it's just dumb. It just it's for people who follow sports and in the NFL especially, you know that the freak athletes that are that live in the NFL are. Not to be compared with normal humans, even remotely. Well, that reminds me of something that happened to me many years ago. I was at a Sonics game, and there was a, a gentleman over the way, you know, a few rows away, that was, like, just huge, a hulking, massive man. And I was like, good God, I, I hope that guy's getting paid to lift weights, because it was just absurd. And he turns around, it's Chad Brown. He used to be yeah, Seahawks. He's, he's, he's a snake man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he was, so he was linebacker slash defensive end, and, I mean, he was unmanageably large <laughs> yeah in human i mean that's the that's the funny thing about nfl players um i remember when i was in town just when i had moved to town i was i was out and about in in seattle and ran into um who's playing qb at that point rick Meyer. rick Meyer. and rick Meyer's gigantic yeah and 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 this is a guy who gets ragdolled like every <laughs> week and and again, it's just something that it's just something that the golf the golf community wants to portray their athletes as like world class athletes. And yes. and granted, golf is not easy. And even Tiger, in his most as most roided out and pumped up and whatnot. I mean, they'd like to say, well, God, Tiger could probably play any kind of sport. It's like, no, he can't. He's a no. golfer. <laughs> he's 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 a pumped up golfer. But he's a golfer, and that's not that doesn't get you that doesn't get you much farther than than out that doesn't get you much outside the ropes. Yeah, and I don't mean to like make it sound like sour grapes. I have a lot of respect for Bruce's game. I think he plays a hell of a brand of golf, and it's definitely entertaining to watch. And I sort of am, am appreciative of his antihero persona, even though he he, he takes it too far sometimes. In he the annoys me. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I enjoy a guy who's just not, he's like I'm not interested in playing by your rules. Got you know he's just. I'm going to get out there and say what I'm going to say and I'm tell you people I don't practice, whether that's true or not, who knows. But Well, he should just go full-on stone cold if he wants to do this. Well, he did show up right nude way. today on the internet. Listen, listen, 
I I'm really I was not impressed. It's it's not and, that exciting. No, I mean. <laughs> I saw the naked pictures and I thought to myself, that's a guy, I see that guy at the gym all the time. I mean, this is not a, this is not a, that's not a let's get naked body. And for the, cause I've seen the, the ESPN body issue. Yeah. And the athletes they put in there are crazy ripped and amazing. And Brooks Kepke is like some dude at the Y. He's that, in like, yeah, he's in like a uh, movie actor shape where you don't have to take your shirt off. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that that's whatever. I think he's it's gone too far, and you know I'm tired of seeing him and his girlfriend naked and whatever. They can just they should just keep that shit off the internet. I'm just done with them. Bo-bo. You know, now maybe Brooks is a naturally light on body hair kind of gentleman. Oh uh, no, <laughs> he's shaving his ass. It, it appears to be 100 percent waxed. Like <laughs> he looks like a wet seal in this picture. Right. Well, I mean, if they were going to take naked pictures of me, and God forbid you should ever see naked pictures of me, but if I was going to take naked pictures of me on purpose, you got to get the, you got to get it, you got to get, you got to get waxed up. Sorry, there's just no two ways about it. Did you see all the photos or just the the cover? That were not the cover. I saw. The, did you I saw, see the weird outtakes? No, but I just saw like half a dozen of them. I saw half a dozen of those pictures. There's a picture here where he's standing in a bunker, butt naked, and his whole ass crack is visible. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, it's I don't such know. a weird photo shoot. I mean, the Greg Norman one, the Greg Norman naked is much more impressive. I mean, at least Norman's like ripped. Do you remember the Vegas one when he's down in the Spider-Man pose? But oh, naked? yeah, again, again, Vegas for a uh, shout out to Matt at reasons are um, the, his boyfriend, Camilla Vegas. Yeah. I mean, again, ripped. I mean, like looked like you shredded, know, shredded. Yeah. Like get naked. But you know, whatever the this Brooks this Brooks Kepka thing is, it's not it's not good. I don't. Got, I, I'm not impressed. I mean, <laughs> in a whole world of athletes and bodybuilders and actors and stuff like that who appear naked. On a, I mean, this is this is like it's like seeing Bruce Willis's wiener on during Edge of Night, <laughs> right? It's like I, just, I don't. It's like I don't need this. It's like this is just some dude. Color like, of who, night. Color of Night. It basically just comes in and just like, just some dude off the street who like took his clothes off. I'm like, forget it. Sidebar, Bruce Willis did have one of the best nude scenes of all time, though, in, I believe the movie's called Last Man Standing? Where he's like a hitman in the 30s? Or some, oh, yeah, some sure, sort of Pinkerton sure. thing, but he's uh-huh. like, he's getting down with a hooker and somebody kicks his door in and like rolls off her and grabs his guns and kills both guys butt naked. And I was like, I'm not ready for the naked fight. <laughs> like, I'm not... <laughs> I don't sleep nude. I used to when I was younger, but I'm not up for it now because somebody breaks into this house. I'm not up for it if, if I got my <laughs> junk right. out. <laughs> right. That's nakedness is best for people who are ripped. Yeah. Sorry. Well, last thing I'll say about Bruce here is that this photo they chose it was probably the, the photo that'll end up in the magazine. I, maybe not because this is probably a promo. What this one they chose to promote with? It's got a very distinct Patrick v- Bateman vibe going on here. He's like. <laughs> pulling on this rubber, you know, resistance band and he's standing in front of this sort of whitewashed wall. It's I mean, they'll get some post on that too, right? There's going to be like some some photoshopping. Yeah, maybe they can make him shinier and more hairless. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Well, on that note, why don't we talk about <laughs> more golfy golf things in segment 1 here? Came across a article about or an interview with a career rules official and he was telling some stories and rules have been in the the golf news a lot lately, given that 
slow play comes up all the time. And this, I just think that a lot of the, uh, the golf rules are unfair to the standard golfer, right? We've complained before about like landing in a divot and I know they made some changes this year to, uh, make it a little easier on us, but you read something like this where, and I'm just going to read the, the anecdote. So this gentleman's name is, um, Slugger White. And, uh, is that right? Did I say that? Yes, right? that's okay. correct. All right. I, he says, Monday qualifier, Kings Island in Ohio, 1976. I'm in a playoff for the first alternate spot. Somehow I get that spot, which means I'm as good as in. Back at my hotel, I noticed an extra wedge in my bag. It wasn't mine. Skip a few lines. Basically, he says he was du- his caddy was sharing, like he was double caddying, and uh-huh. the caddy stuck the other player's wedge in his bag. So first he returns the wedge to the other player who's down the hall. And then he occurs to me that, or it occurs to him that he played the playoff with 15 clubs in his bag. So finds the chief rules officials, tell, tells them what happened. After some investigating, the rules official calls the USGA, and the decision is a disqualification because he started the playoff with 15 clubs. This is the kind of thing where the rules are in the way of the game. Like that, <laughs> you, some other guy stuck that in there. Like, how can that be your fault? You're you're off the. I mean, you're out of the tournament. It's it's insane to me that that's the result. Like, yeah, I mean, so the rules of golf pretty much deem the caddy and the player to be the same person. So if the caddy does something illegal, it affects the player. This is crazy to me. (laughs) But, but this is the whole golf is golf has that, that story. It tells itself all the time where it's, it's, you know, it's the only sport in the world where you call penalties on yourself. Oh yeah, all right, and Bobby all this Jones. <laughs> down, Bobby Jones. All, all this, all this stuff, and then and then you see, then you see, you know, Matt Kuchar whining for fifteen minutes trying to get a drop from a from a from a fairway divot. It's like, no, you. Can, I mean, it's funny that they want it both ways, and it just it just doesn't work that way. I think that um, that this is just silly. I think that that especially when what the other player had you know 13 clubs in their bag for a little bit right i mean this is this is not a this is not a i kicked my ball inadvertently i you know i there's there's lots of ways that people would try to cheat but this is he had 15 clubs in his bag but they weren't all his <laughs> yeah and it's like did you hit it and he can't ever i guess it's it's because golf and this is actually i think my problem is that you know, people talk about slow play and, and all these other things. Part of the problem is you got to call a rules official over. Sometimes it takes minutes. That's crazy to me. There should just be a rules official with every group. Yeah. Well, you want to know what crazy is, is playing a golf tournament with 10-year-old boys <laughs> and having to call rules officials over. Nice. For, for drops and stuff, which happens at the, you know, at the, you know, at the WJGA level because if they tell you they even tell these kids it's like you know if you get into us if you get into problems you should you need to call a rules official because you don't want to do this wrong because you'll get dq'd (laughs) you'll dq 10 year olds (laughs) but but the but it's it's of course different at the pro level but but i just there's just so much pressure on these on these players and the and the risk is so high because the risk is dq right right in some cases so of course you're going to call. I mean, every golfer knows how to take relief from a sprinkler head. But but why does why does someone who's been a touring professional for 15 years need to call a rules official to get a drop from a sprinkler head? They don't want to. I mean, he even says in this in the article like a lot of players will call us in for helping dropping from a cart path, which is fairly rudimentary. 
but I'm glad w when they do for two reasons. One, if the player makes a mistake dropping, it can mean a penalty. Whereas if an official gives incorrect advice on how to drop, it's no penalty. So that's that's crazy. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, so it, so again, there's a lot of money on the line. I mean, we've already said, I mean, if it's one, you know, how many people missed this tour championship by one or two strokes over right. the course of an entire year? I mean, it makes it makes a big difference. And and again, people get scared and I don't blame them, but you're right. I mean, it's a huge pace of play issue where where, you know, most of us who play recreationally don't give a crap. You know, it's like, just kick it. <laughs> just kick it back into the grass and play right but again we're not we're not uh we're not playing for we're not playing for you know a million bucks a week and you know and a 15 million dollar bonus at the end of the year so well and slugger comments on the slow play too so he mentions he obviously hates slow play uh, he doesn't like the idea of hitting players with penalty strokes though and for that reason that you just described, which is what if you're, you know, right on the barely on the edge of, you know, the top 125 to teach your card for next year and you get a one stroke penalty at a key moment because you're like two seconds over time. The penalty ends up costing you, you know, $5,000 in placement. Now you're so far down the list that you don't have a place to play. You know, who knows what that trickles down for you if you're, you know, on the ragged edge of the tour. Um, you could drastically affect a guy's life with the click of a stopwatch. Uh, and so he talks about looking for fine structures. And so, also, you know, I tend to agree with his take here. Um, I also think it's relative, right? So if you think about like Jordan Spieth at the 27 British, right, where the hole took half an hour, he hit it over by the, it was on that hill, took an unplayable, and then like went, what, another 80 yards back to drop to get back yeah, far enough yeah, from the yeah. trucks to hit it, over, hit it over them. Right. Drops, drops in the, in the, uh, in the driving the, range, in the driving range next to some semi trucks. Yeah. And, and it take, but. You know, it took forever. It was obnoxious, but he also hit a great shot, and then you know went on to stay in contention. So it was it was probably cost Kucher that tournament. To be honest with you, Kucher was rolling, and then Kucher's now is sitting in the fairway for thirty minutes while while That's the flip side, right? Dinking around the uh, the AJGA, which is the American Junior Golf Association, has this time par system mm -hmm. that that works really well. Like you get, if you get out of position, they give you this red card and then you can work that red card off by the end of the, by you know, by the end of, by the end of the, the round. So you don't get, you don't get, so basically you're, you're carrying this penalty around, but if you get back in position, they take the card back. Okay. And so it just seems to make a lot of sense where you're always in position. It's not about it's not about exact time parts. Like you have to be across because so much of golf isn't in your control. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like if the, if the, if the group ahead of you is slow, then you're, you're going to be slow. But as long as you're in position, no problem. It's the, you find out who the trouble groups are and then you, then you hang these red cards on them and then they have a chance before the, the end of the round to work it off by getting back in position or getting back onto what they call time par. And yeah. It's it's not difficult. It's just that it's just you just have to have the will to do it. And I just don't think that that um, that the that the PGA Tour has the will to lean on these on their on their stars because their stars are just going to go onto the microphone after the tournament and just lay into them. So that's why I think you need to establish a democratic system. So Bryson being in the news, like I think we saw some published times so or like time between shots for him, like they've been tracking him or whatever. Yeah. And but there's not like data on that for everybody, so it doesn't really mean a lot, right? Like you say. 
Um, sure. And so I like the idea. This is my my idea is that you basically time everyone from arrival at their ball to the next shot made. So from the time they have arrived at their ball to the time it takes them to hit their next shot, you just you track that for everybody. Mm-hmm. And you publish it ongoing, and and have it be like reverse FedEx Cup standing. So if you're at the top of the shitty time list, like you, there's a fine structure. Yeah. And so it's ongoing for the whole season. So you, it's like the anti money list. You can work yeah. your way off of it, right? It'll just incentivize you to play a little faster because you don't want to be up there in the, the fine list. Sure, sure, exactly. And at the end of the year, you pay your fines or whatever. Yeah. But the uh, but I think the AJGA is onto something where they say their overall time par is the amount of time which the AJGA expects all players to complete a round. And, and that's out of your control. And then that's expressed in a per hole basis. And then they're saying that with the understanding that that more than 40 seconds to play a shot is excessive. So they're coming out. And even if you made it 60 seconds for the PGA Tour, like there's sometimes you're going to play faster and sometimes you're going to play slower. Like sometimes you need a little extra time. I mean, you hit it in a certain place. You're going to need a little, you're going to take, you know, you're going to take, 90 seconds two minutes but there's sometimes you're going to take you know you're going to take you know 30 seconds or 20 seconds just depending right yeah and i think that you know the flip side is that on the pro tour hey you know what fuck you you're pros there's no relief at all like <laughs> oh well that tent mic whatever shouldn't be there well it is today don't hit it there <laughs> <laughs> I yeah i mean though there's a whole there's that's a whole nother thing about gaming the the grandstands yeah there's exactly. a whole there's a whole people get uptight about it because there are just some people who just say, I'm just hitting the grandstand. Right. And then get, get this relief, and, then, yeah. and then get this sweet drop. Even though you would hit the ball you'd hit the ball sixty, fifty, sixty yards past the hole. <laughs> 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 anyway, that that um that that article with Slugger White is a really a must read for any any passing golf fan. I mean, I think it's uh there's a lot of there are a lot of fun stories in there and just an interesting perspective. Yeah, I enjoyed it over multiple days on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you sent me, and I know we never try to start anything after the timer, but this fits better in here than anywhere else. You sent me an article about holes in one and the time they don't, the times they don't count. Right. And I don't really want to break down the whole list because I was kind of like, all right, there's this is pretty nitpicky and it's pretty obvious most of the stuff. It's like playing in a scramble or, or you know, kind of. Believe no, no. If you if you hit if you hit a hole in one in a scramble, it's a hole in one. I'm I, sorry. Agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with with uh, with the author on this one. I disagree with the author on most of the stuff. Like, no, yeah, if it's a drop, like if you if you hit one out of bounds and then you hole out the next one, yeah, you made a three. Okay, I I, I agree. I but agree. it's still a hole in one in the sense that like it may not count, but who's really the record keeper here? First yeah, well, of all, you can't go crowing around. You can't crow at the bar later on. Like, you, th- no, you'll tell the story the way it happened though. <laughs> but but then I would tell you, and that's not a hole in one, right? But I'll remember it forever. I'll tell the story hundreds of times, originally with all the context of why it wasn't official. Uh-huh. But over time, right? I'll just slowly drop that context until <laughs> <laughs> until it lives on as a thing I once did, regardless of those circumstances. The only the only thing I'm relatively adamant about in terms of hole in ones is hole in ones on par three courses do not count if you're an adult. Sure. That's that because I just it just they just don't. I so, would I I do like a mild fist pump. I'd be like, all right, cool, that went in. It's like it's I, like a long I, hole out from the fairway. I would get excited about it. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool, but you can't crow out. You can't crow about that one at the bar either later <laughs> later on. I mean, that's just there's just no. It's like yeah, I had a hole in one day. Oh, where at? Uh, at the Willows Run Par Three. It's like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the Jackson Park. I mean, yeah. My, my seven-year-old daughter could theoretically hit a hole in one because oh, there's a downhill par three where she can hit it on the green. It yeah. might go in one time. 
Right. And 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 my daughter has had a par three course hole in one, which we credited to her because she was ten. <laughs> so if you're ten years old and you're out on the par three course and you hit a hole in one, that's a hole in one. Sure. But if you're a f- nearly fifty year old man playing with a ten year old, twelve year old, fourteen year old per girl on on the course, and I hit a hole in one, it does not count as a hole in one. All right. Well, are you ready to pick teams? Uh, yes. All right. So segment two, I have wanted for a long time to fix the wraparound season. Like the season ends Sunday. There's golf all winter anyway with like what a split field or however they do it. Then there's the yeah. golf that starts. The real season starts in January, correct? Well, so yes, they, so they have this, the, the PGA started this whole wraparound season because they wanted to stay. They wanted to give people, they wanted to be in, in on TV sure. <laughs> essentially throughout the fall. So they do have these fall events and there's only a handful of them, maybe like six of them, six. There was only maybe five or six fall events. Yeah. That's and, a double edged re- sword. I love to watch golf in the winter on TV, but it's hard to watch Kapalua in January and it's like gorgeous. And we're sitting here in the doldrums <laughs> of the, the rain and just can't get out. It's, it's no. hard to watch, but it's that, also- that is pretty brutal. But the, uh, but uh, you know, the fall events aren't for the big, fish right right they're the they're for the the people who barely kept their card or the people who come off the off the corn ferry tour with new cards so they get out there they play some they play some golf and the top what the top 25 pretty much just sit it out because they've all got they're sitting on their big piles of cash yes (laughs) and and they're not worried about they're not worried about having to deal with um having to deal with with touring and whatever in the last couple of years, golf TV coverage has, I think, improved immensely, right? We're getting more technology. We're getting a lot more shot tracer, which is super helpful. I like the shot tracer com- combined with the overhead view. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing now the playing through where you still see golf unannounced. You know, un- basically, there's no announcers, but the commercial's going on while the golf's still being played. Yeah, I like um, that. I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. And golf is one of the sports that's always embraced its, I guess, well, I can't remember. It's, my whole life, it's always embraced its commercialism and that players have always worn sponsored gear. So that's been something that's coming around you know been a, been a part of um international football for a long time but now coming to american sports more and more and people are getting upset about logos on the uniforms whereas in golf that's kind of just the standard right in fact you have an egregious amount of logos on your shirt often. there there are some people who are are like nascar drivers they're here's the thing if you've got more than four four or more different sponsors on your shirt <laughs> i'm gonna have to tell you to you gotta draw the line I'm, I'm like good with i'm good with like your clothing sponsor and then maybe one on the sleeve you know what okay. i'm saying yeah that's for your shirt and then your hat generally has one in the front and then one on the side and yeah, god sure. forbid and god forbid you should have some heinous personal logo and what <laughs> everybody has one now oh lord um, and one of the things, you know, that I think that most golfers who are watching TV coverage are interested in is the, the equipment, right? The equipment and the apparel, right? The things that we would theoretically go out and also purchase, right? Like I played with a Wilson A2000 glove for years for a reason, right? Like I, that wasn't a choice by me. It was an influence by what the pros wore. And I think equipment marketing is all pushed directly from the manufacturer because a lot of players play split bags and, and don't necessarily have an equipment, like an exclusive equipment deal. You know, that's, I think that's 
I thought it was more common than it is to actually have like a, a real sponsor on your bag that, that provides all your equipment. And I think maybe Nike snowed me on that with Tiger yeah. when I really, you know, paid a lot more attention to equipment. Right. But you always hear the Odyssey putter count, the Titleist ball count, the Callaway driver count. But I don't understand mm-hmm. why this isn't a bigger deal. Like I, I, I even trying to find this information to do the segment was more challenging than I expected it to, to expected it to be to be able to find what equipment is in whose bag. But what is a bigger influence on the player at home than the guy who goes out and kills it with that certain setup, right? Like, you know, I'm a sucker for this myself. Justin Rose's 28 season, 2018 season, rather, is basically the reason that I'm now playing Honda clubs. <laughs> right. You're, by the way, you're the only person I know. The only one, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm enjoying them immensely. Well, that's, I'm glad. I'm glad. Because this is, this is the fun part about golf. If you're at all have a have an inkling of gear <laughs> it, it scratches that itch right like mm-hmm. it, you know you get to go in you get to read all the reviews you get to look oh this looks cool that doesn't look cool there's like technology involved and you know there I mean, you can just it's this endless well of of digging through youtube and figuring out you know who's doing the best reviews on mm-hmm. stuff and i could just i just I could just do it. I could just spend an entire evening on my phone at home, like on the couch, just going through, going through reviews and reading about clubs and balls and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's the sickness. It's the sickness that feeds the sickness. <laughs> well, this year for me, this off season was my learn a lot about equipment, uh, like shaft weights and, and, and different setups because I was really trying to find a setup that was specific to my game more than just even, you know, fitting a standard set of clubs. Um, which is Next also year. which is also a hell of a lot of fun getting fitted. It, it it's is so much fun to hit a bunch of different clubs and see how oh, they feel and have different opinions on the different. Yeah, that's oh, the best. It's really a lot of fun. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, you guys probably don't care if you're listening, but it, if you have never been fit for clubs and you make that choice, enjoy yourself and, and find a good fitter, somebody who'll really take the time to get your weights right and, and make you feel good about your setup. Um, but the reason I bring all that up is to lead us into this idea that I had for an off-season event. If you're going to have a soulish cash, soulless cash grab, let's just run it through the marketing funnel. And, you know, people love team golf. There's not nearly enough of it. People clamor for the Ryder Cup. I, people, I guess, care about the President's Cup. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody cares about nobody the President's cares. Cup. But that's mostly because of it, its weird nature and its infrequent, you know, it's overall doesn't occur frequently enough to, for people to really get bought into it. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think it would be awesome if they had a manufacturer's cup at the end of the season that was like the, really about cash. And, you know, you mic everybody up. You do a lot of hard knock style camera work. You know, it's a lot less it's a lot less formal. It's real loose, real sponsor oriented. Yeah. And you uh, just let all the sponsors just pour the money into this thing. Yeah, and, and it's commercial just, free. Yeah, because. And, yeah. And, but everybody's just everybody's just shilling for their for their for their yeah. companies. Yeah, so I thought we could spend a few minutes here and, and draft a few uh, uh, manufacturer teams that we would put out there. Um, I think we settled. We didn't really talk about a format for this. Um, I think we settled on what five teams or four teams. I think I think it's probably going to be a four team. A no, four I think it's team five teams. It's ta- well, unfortunately, it's it's I think so. It's TaylorMade, Titleist, Callaway, and then I really want to have a Mizuno team, but I can't find enough players for it. And then I think it's other. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe it really is. All right. So first of all, let's just start with. You don't want to get Keith. You don't want to get Keith Mitchell on the Mizuno team. <laughs> I, I like Keith Mitchell. <laughs> you might put him on then. Yeah, sure. I like. I mean, he never wins, but I like. He does. Oh, the, he won one. He won this year. That's right. He did win, and then I. Uh, that's when I saw his video. Is uh, he did a little driver drill video that I adopted, and it worked. 
there we go. Alright, so Keith Mitchell can be on the Mizuno team. But let's start with uh, TaylorMade. It's probably the deepest roster. It includes luminaries like John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, um, Tiger, obviously, Dustin Johnson. Um, anybody I mean, else? You th- they had that whole, they had that whole essentially Justice League commercial. Jason Day. Series, series of commercials where the, all those six guys were standing around hitting yeah. shots and talking shit to each other. Yes. Those are, those are terrific. Yeah, they've got the best. They've got the best. I think they've got the best lineup. So who's your foursome for Taylor May then? It's Rory. Okay. It's DJ. Yes. It's Rombo and it's Tiger. Is it still Tiger? Well, if Tiger's if you're paying Tiger whatever money you're paying, you're rolling him out. He's he still is the needle, right? I mean, people they they introduced his line of of blades, the the, the P whatever, 7-9-TWs or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. the P whatever, those things sold out in pre-order. And I thought to myself, first of all, Blade buyers, <laughs> you probably ought not be playing these. However, because they're the Tiger Irons, they sell out. They, they didn't even make the shelves. They, they sold out in pre-order. Yeah, I do kind of feel like if you're the kind of person that is that influenced by Tiger's club choice, you're probably the kind of person who shouldn't be playing those clubs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but he's also but it's also if you have a if you have a uh, if you're having an equipment cup, <laughs> the equipment cup, then uh, you got to get Tiger on your team. Yeah, I mean, I think that really what we should do is is go full NASCAR, and if if your manufacturer can field more than one team, then good for you. So you could get your second four with you know Francisco Molinari, Abraham Answer. Jason Day, Jason, Jason, Jason Day. Actually, Uh, Frankie, Frankie is playing uh, Callaway. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. Well, did he switch? Yeah. Okay. Did he win last year with his TaylorMade clubs? (laughs) (laughs) I think he was playing kind of a mixed bag, but yeah. But you also have the new guys, right? You got Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa. They're both TaylorMade players. Yes. And I'm surprised Um, to hear that Tiger's playing TaylorMade because our next manufacturer was Tyler. Tiger's old pre-Nike equipment manufacturer, and that's Titleist. Titleist has a... I think you're kind of a country club douche if you play Titleist. <laughs> <Irons. laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so you've got Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantley. <laughs> okay, you're not helping here. <laughs> Justin not. Thomas. Uh-huh. Gary Woodland. No, Gary Woodland's playing Wilson now. Okay, that's is that new this year? But it's essentially, it's JT, it's Spieth, yeah, it's Webb Simpson, it's Patrick Cantley. I mean, come on, this this is the this is the all this is the all snooty country club team is well, Titleist. And the last one is you know he plays a mixed bag, but Pat Reed, Pat Reed, yeah, his other the other half of his bag is Callaway, and that's our next manufacturer. So we've got Zan. Okay, so wait, we need a four our foursome for Titleist. We got Webb, Cantley, JT, and Gary Woodland. No, not Gary Woodland. Uh, Spieth. You like Spieth over Woodland? Yeah. Oh, right. I'm sorry. You told me Wilson. I'm sorry. Yeah. My notes are incorrect. This is how hard it was to find this goddamn information. I know. This this is is like the impetus for me doing the segment. (laughs) Is like, why is this so difficult to find out? And 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 of course, goofy, goofy, like nerds like me know who everybody else is playing, which is kind of a little, it's a little embarrassing, actually. Well, I mean, if there's NFL scrap R, right, where I can grab open data, can somebody do this for all the clubs on tour (laughs) so I can like pull like you know, analytics about who's hitting what clubs, what shots. Right. I would really enjoy doing that. Exactly. I'll write some R. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's wrap it up here. So we got the two more to pick. Callaway, we've got Xander Shoffley, Phil, Henrik Stenson, Sergio Garcia, um, Mark Leishman, Emiliano Grillo, 
And then uh, Taylor Gooch. Taylor, Taylor <laughs> Gooch is not making the team. Neither is that fucking Sergio Garcia. He <laughs> can stay home. Not these days. I'm not picking Sergio. So I would take Shoffley, Stenson, Phil, and Leishman. Oh yeah, that's a, yeah. a Callaway that, team. That's a that's a nice team actually. That's a that's a that's a team of people who have won and continue to win. I agree. All right, uh, last we have Mizuno, or almost last. Uh, so that's we talked about Bruce Kupka already. Um, that includes also Paul Casey, and then our fringe contenders here: Lucas Glover and Keith Mitchell. <laughs> team others actually slightly interesting, and I know we're over the bell, but sidebar. I went into the PGX store in Bellevue the other day. PXG. I'm sorry. PXG. That's PGX, how important it is. Whatever. <laughs> it is the nicest store. I I don't know how much money they spent on this store, but it's got to be like a million dollars. Well, the clubs cost a million dollars. Well, I mean, did you see the their latest offering are like these milled irons that the whole set is, I think it's 650 a club. Oh my god! So the whole like a whole set of irons will cost you something like fifty eight hundred bucks. <laughs> I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me! But the the store is so nice, and the people in there were, I was the only one in there. Shockingly, that I I was a, uh, it was probably like four thirty in the afternoon on a weekday. I was like, I mean, there were tumbleweeds blowing through there, but it was, <laughs> I cannot tell you how nice all their stuff is. But nobody wins with those clubs. Horschel no. comes the closest. Jason Kokrak. Yeah, no one's no one's gonna win with PXG. Do you even know but, anybody else playing them? Um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people. Uh, <laughs> Zach Johnson, oh, yeah. Billy Horschel. Yes, I mentioned. Oh, you mentioned Horschel. Um, there's there are a number of LPGA professionals also that are that are playing them. But the, the <laughs> but uh, you know, in after that was over, I was end up talking to another another person who's in the industry, and they said the resale, like people who buy PXG don't rebuy pxg right so there's some concern that that brand is probably not going to make it but i tell you what that store you should go to that store in bellevue um just pop in all right i don't want any of their shit but i'll check no. it out <laughs> it, but everything it's 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 first class all right other notables to wrap up the segment uh bridgestone has matt kuchar and, and brand snedeker um strix and irons keegan bradley and hideki matsuyama you got half uh, the Graham, team. Graham McDowell. Graham, Graham McDowell. McDowell. In the Strixons? In the Strixon. All right. Uh, Cobra. We've got only Ricky Fowler and Bryson DeChambeau that I know of. Yeah. The, I, they're, they're... Yeah, I don't even know. That's it's a, weird. That's a weird brand. Cobra that's seems weird... popular, though, among the, the Weekend Warrior. Yeah, I think so. I think it's... I think it's... Uh, I think it's... I think it's aggressively priced. Mm. Yeah, it is. I think it, yeah, the, the drivers do. You cut, you slice about a hundred bucks off like the top end Callaway to go down to the yeah Cobras. Uh, we've mentioned Justin Rose with Hanma, and then lastly um, Tony Finau and Bubba Watson both play pings. Yeah, and the uh, yeah you're Lee Westwood ping player. There you go. Like those I really want this to happen. I would lo- I would definitely watch the Manufacturers Cup. Yeah, and they could just talk. They could just like the CEO <laughs> could just come out and like yeah, talk man. about. It. Like, yeah. Actually, the CEO should be the ca- the team captain. No, just and, and the whole thing. Like, oh, this is you know, Ricky's hitting the whatever. Like, I you know, this is our yeah. new I, Tony's hitting the new Ping four ten G four ten hybrid whatever. Right. Tell me yeah. all about it. Right. Yeah. And then I'm have all. like these little, and then just produce these little featurettes throughout. Yeah, I got an thing. endless appetite for this content. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty slick. All right, segment three. I, well, started to talk about, so for a long time I've wanted to talk, well, 
I'm not a big fan of the president, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Really? And I remember early in his tenure, one of the first things he did that really offended me to my core, outside of the politics thing, which I, you know is abhorrent <laughs> and and you know completely unredeemable. But there's a video of him driving his golf cart on the green at one of his clubs, and I was just like, so. It was. I, you know, I've been brought up to play golf with a lot of respect for the game, and I don't mean to be too stodgy about it. But you know, when I play, I want to at least play with people who know the rules. As otherwise, it's distracting, right? Like, Great you don't want to play thing. with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, right? And no, tr- no, tr- hang on. So, not to defend the president, but because <laughs> uh, but, right. but they do drive. They do drive like these heavy mowers across those greens. So, a single golf cart, even though it's it's it's. It's not doing any real damage. Like if one person does it, but the mower's weight is distributed in a way that the golf cart is not. Maybe <laughs> I don't. It's it probably isn't, but that's okay. But I'm just saying, yeah, it's it's frowned upon. It's frowned upon certainly. But the uh, but there were times where where um, you know chambers they said just just take your push cart and push it across the. You go ahead and push it across the green. Right. And it took me a good four or five holes before I would do it. It's very hard to force yourself to do it. Yes, because you're again, again the the training goes very deep the into your into your into your psyche is like the green is the green. It's like church, you know. Don't spit on it like other people do on TV all the time. Don't spit on it. Don't fart on it. Don't wait till you're wait till you're off the green before you curse. Those you know, these are the kinds of things you're sure taught to do as young golfers. But yes, to see to see anybody, especially, you know, President Trump driving his cart like right up onto the green is it's it's relatively uh it's distasteful for sure. Well, and he there's so many I mean, none of this is surprising. Nothing is surprising with Trump anymore, but sure to hear him like stories they people who play with him say that he they they walk up to find that he like got there first and chucked his chucked your ball into like a bunker <laughs> <laughs> or like miraculous he miraculously finds his ball on the other side this reminds me of the shit i used to do when i was like 10 and 11 like just playing with my dad and not wanting to have to like search for my ball in the woods so like right. trying to secretly because my dad was such a hard ass about the rules like <laughs> you know you scored this and you know i'm just trying to have fun and he's being a dick <laughs> so i'm like right. to the point where i'm like pulling a snails and trying to sneak a, a ball down the trouser of my pants. So I'm like, oh, I found it. It's here. And it must have hit a tree. <laughs> like, but you know what? I grew up. And I don't do that anymore. Now I'm just right. like, fuck, I got to take a drop. That sucks. There is something funny about adults who will cheat at golf for no reason. To like, lie to I, themselves. Right. It's like, I don't care. Like, I think we've touched on this before, too. It's like, if I'm out playing golf with you i don't really give a shit what you write on your card if we're not playing for money yeah it's like do what you want to do write down what you want to write down you don't have to you know you don't have to you don't have to be you know you don't have to lie to me you know you <laughs> lie <laughs> you lie to the lie to the girls at the bar later not don't you don't have to lie to me i'm just you know i'm just some dude Right. Tell me all about all the edges you burned at the end of the round. <laughs> that's by the way, that's my favorite thing to do. To say to say, here's my score and then here are all the shit scores that made that score. Yeah. It's like I I shot eighty three with two doubles and a triple. <laughs> Which is what I shoot every week. Right. But still, um, I like to I like to make sure that you know yeah. that it was only three holes that, that did me in. 
Yeah. Like, because I would have shot 78 otherwise. Exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I shot 83. It should have been like 77. Right. Uh, I really, I just bad chip here and I missed that putt and I just should have made it. <laughs> I will do that. I, I'm not that mature. I think my favorite very Trump anecdote from the various sources that contain these is the one that a caddy uh, recounts that Trump's golf cart once contained a can of red spray paint and that Trump marked trees, his balls hit with a red X and the trees were removed the next day. Oh, come on. That's that's apocryphal. (laughs) That can't be true. Look, who knows? Whatever. Here's the thing. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the truth, but there's, there's no possible way that's true. I'm sorry. I, even even the most even you know Montgomery Burns wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. It is. It's very. It is very Simpsons esque, right? Like this idea yeah. that he's. I would. I don't put it past him though. Honestly, like you told me he's doing that. Nothing, I believe you. Nothing would surprise me no. if it were true. But that seems that seems that seems apocryphal. That seems holy. I can't. I. I'd have to really be convinced that that happened. Well, the other story that came into uh, the public eye in the last couple of years was a story about him playing with, uh, I believe, another club champion at one of his clubs and the guy's son. And the guy's son was like a teenager or, or, uh-huh. or late teens, early 20s, something like that. His son, but, you know, a man, not a, not a child. Exactly. Sure. And the two guys hit it on the green, and Trump hit his in the water, and then they get up to the green, and Trump just insists that the kid's ball is his. He says, no, that's my ball. And he just once he decides that that's the, the reality, that's the reality you're living in. Now that, now that story I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I've played with a number of people of varying ages and maturities. Uh-huh. And and some of the things you see are just are are jaw dropping, and and you you know you do your best not to fall into these little these little traps like th- your own little personal ego traps. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that as I've gotten older, it's, you know, when you when you start teaching children to play, like you f- you find that you clean up your act a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's sort of you know what I've been doing for the past you know you know eight or so years is just sort of. I cleaned up my act in order to make sure that my children didn't act terrible on the golf course. Cause it's just the, the last thing you want to do is raise children. You don't like, and that's the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so especially on the golf course, I did not want to raise golfers that I don't like. And so I understand. that was, uh, so I, you know, I, I had to clean up some of my own again. E- they're mostly just ego traps. Yeah. And, well, I mean, uh, the guy I used to play with all the time, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, that's right. Uh, you know, we're, he, we're playing and he's just getting older and his skills have diminished a little bit and he hooks a drive into the woods and wait a minute. You're talking about me. You, you just call me out. <laughs> you just call me out my name. No. Cause you and I still play together. I, I don't, play right. with, I don't really play with this person anymore. Uh-huh. I see uh, how you're doing this. I see how I hear you're telling a story about me without telling a story about me. But it was the beginning of the end was he hooks his ball into the woods on one of the tougher par fours in the course we're playing. It's long. And so he's got no chance at making birdie or par, really. And then he's off in his woods looking for the ball, whatever. I'm not paying attention because we're walking and I'm over going over to my ball. And I hit it whenever I get up on the green. And then, you know, I'm not, again, not paying attention. He's right in the cart. He drives up to the green. His ball's on the green. And I'm like, oh, 
He's like, oh, yeah, I hit it on the green. Oh, oh cool. You took a drop and then hit it up here? He's like, no, I found it. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, so, because what happened is I didn't realize what he had, what he was saying until he made his putt. And he's like, yeah, birdie. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait huh? Are you going to make me high five you about this too? Like, I, I'm pretty sure that that's not a birdie. <laughs> I, I I don't think so. Uh, oh yeah, I found that ball and I hit it up here. I, I okay, so you found the ball, and even if it was in a playable lie, you somehow hit what was a 225 yard fairway wood shot from some super questionable lie in the bushes all the way up to the green. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care if you did or did not find it, but man, I, if you ain't gotta make me celebrate your lies, that's a, that's a bridge too far for me. Right, you know here's. Here's what here's what a here's what a functional cheater would do. A functional cheater would would say to you five, and then write down four on their card, and then when they and then when they add it up at the end, they'd say, "Oh, I shot uh, forty two, and you'd right. be like, "Okay, okay, great." And then you'd because you're not keeping their score. No, so, you know, what do you care? And then and then they would be like, okay, I've cheated. I've shaved a couple of strokes, and a forty-two is not a horrible cheat. No one cares. That's like that's in the that's in the regular zone of nine-hole cheating. It's like <laughs> all right, whatever. It's like yeah. okay. And then and then you'd say, hey, that was a good job. And then you get some beer and it'd be fine. But it's like the guy who like goes, oh, that was a thirty-nine, thirty-eight. You're like, <laughs> you've cheated too much. <laughs> don't, don't cheat too much. But you know, if you if your ego needs a little cushion and you don't want to take that forty seven, and you shaved it up and it's a forty four now, it's like I don't care. Not really. Yeah, you're only hurting yourself. Right. Good for you. Well, speaking of lying about golf, you also sent me an article about Trump lying about the value of his golf courses. <laughs> well, this is the this is really this is essentially just big business kind of stuff anyway. But mm-hmm. it really sort of puts into perspective this whole idea of this whole there's this elite level of golf right like we host our our course hosts major tournaments it hosts all these other things and it's getting more and more so that you can't play those places or you have to lay out exorbitant amounts of money to play any place that hosts you know any of those top tier tournaments i mean with the exception of like chambers I mean, even what even Chambers is what on a on a regular day it's it's not more than two hundred. Is it two hundred? Close. I don't close. think it's yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, but that's kind of what you'd expect. I mean, it's not five hundred and fifty bucks for Pebble, right? I mean, you know, those are the kinds of things where quote unquote or, public, or quote unquote public, or even most of the places you just can't get on anyway, right? All the private places that they play that they play these these at, and so I don't know. It's I think there's 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 some places that it feel like are healthy. I think I feel like Europe, like the like the whole Scotland thing. Mm-hmm. You look at the prices of those tours, and you're like, and that that, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But in the United States, man, there are a lot of courses that are just like, what? Yeah, like I, I you know, I know you host an event, but I'm not paying three hundred and seventy five dollars to play eighteen holes of golf. No, like Pebble, it's it's like an eighteen hundred dollar commitment if you want to play one round. That's not including the airfare. So if you're just there, you have to stay on property, which is, I think, minimum like 800 bucks a night. Plus, you have to pay the green fee. So you're in for like 1500 bucks just to play the golf, the round of golf. Yeah, just so I can shoot 115. 
<laughs> Give me the PGA setup. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to the tips. But there are places like Torrey. Like if you're a San Diego resident, you can play Torrey Pines for like 45 bucks. And that's perfect. I know. I mean, I think 100 bucks. That's yeah, I, I actually enjoyed the period of time when Tiger was hurt and the, the sport was shrinking because you could, like, get on at the country club because <laughs> right. nobody was, like, there. <laughs> you go there, like, yeah, well, you, you might join. Yes, please play our golf course. Like, the the sort of the uh, the hard line for me is, like, 200 bucks. Like, you got to have a really good excuse for me to spend 200 bucks or more on a round of golf. Yeah. There has to be something... Something has to be happening. <laughs> well, I'm sh- I'm always surprised. Even the you know hundred dollar courses around here, um, which I never pay. I always you know there's a club that you can buy into. You, you're sure with it, yeah. and I'll pay that price because you play it. It works out to like sixty bucks around. But these courses want to charge me like one hundred and thirty, one hundred twenty dollars to play, and it's like, no, the conditions aren't even good. Right. Like you're gonna what you right. want me to pay one hundred and twenty bucks, and like I, if I miss the green, I'm chipping off of like half mud and burned out <laughs> grass. Like get out of here. Right. That's right. when I'm cheating. I'll roll my yeah. bike. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I actually we were playing one of these courses. I said to my buddies, I'm like, look, I'm not hitting off this bear shit around the green. I'm going to roll right. my ball into some grass. Yeah. Especially since I paid money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pay full price for golf and I don't pay full price for Eddie Bauer clothing. <laughs> <laughs> these are just certain things you just don't do. All right. Well, enough golf. And that means. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready. <laughs> Dad jokes of the week. Woo! All right, ready to go? Yeah. I hate insect puns. They bug the heck out of me. That's that's great. <laughs> what does a cow make when the sun comes out? Moonlight. A, sh- <laughs> a shadow. God. <laughs> What's a tree's favorite drink? I don't know. Root beer. Root beer. I, I owe a lot to sidewalks. They've been keeping me off the streets for years. <laughs> and finally, oh no, sorry, one more after this. What does an educated owl say? Whom? <laughs> you know what they say? It's not who you know, it's whom you know. It's, <laughs> it's whom, comma, you know. My dad always said, don't be quick to find faults. He was a good man, but a terrible geologist. <laughs> yeah right. how you doing i have uh here's the one i have uh i broke my i broke my finger the other day but on the other hand i'm fine <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right well I, is that original or did you get that from somewhere else the, i i thought it up but there's no possible way i'm the only person who's thought of that joke all right well like, i'll like, accept thought it up because it's a lot better than you found one no, exactly. So here's the thing about dad jokes and trying to write dad jokes or trying to think of dad jokes. I'm under no illusion that I've come up with any original dad joke, right? It's right. like, I thought of this dad joke without help, but 5,000 people probably this year have already thought of this joke. I mean, it's not, there's, there, it's impossible to sort of, that's what I think, that's probably why I think that comedians are so amazing like sometimes there's got to be people who are working on material and then they turn on netflix and somebody's doing the material they're writing and they have to take that material and throw it in the garbage <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah so so dad jokes are sort of the same way but everybody's thought of these stupid puns i mean 
they're stupid. That's the whole point. That's one of the things I hate about Twitter is that it started as a place to just write jokes and be funny. And now it's like somebody will write something. You'll think of a joke. You think it's like just far enough off the mainstream to be original. And then it's like the 10th reply. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it it's, a, it's a big world of smart asses out there. It's <laughs> Everybody's a comedian. Everybody's a comedian. All right. Well, let's go to the overtime. Overtime. So in the overtime, speaking of everyone being a celebrity... Um, Madonna still out there uh, dancing for our pleasure as a, <laughs> a six-year-old grandmother um, has debuted a new look over the summer here. She's calling herself Madam X. She's wearing an eye patch, uh, some sort of uh, oh, it's some sort of dominatrix pirate that she's going with. Yeah, um, she says that this is a name that was given to her at age nineteen uh, at the dance studio in New York by one of her teachers. Okay. And that's where she got her glove look. Like, we're originally, like, wearing gloves oh, as yeah. a dance teacher. You sure. wear gloves all the time. Okay. But, all right. And now, I don't, <laughs> want this to, <laughs> I don't want this to come off as sexist because no one tells old rock stars they should give it up, right? Right. No, but, one, told, no one told Steven Tyler that, yeah, that you need, to, you need to hang it up. But he evolved in an old man way. <laughs> like, the scarves became more intense. Right. He started wearing caftans. Like it yeah. was, it seemed right. Like he still, he st- he still comes off as like your grandma who's cool that you smoke weed at her house. Whereas you know, Madonna but- still got the twenty-year-old dancers rubbing on her on that stage, and her show is a different kind of show. I would really begrudge her very little if she. It seems to me like Madonna is watching a lot of other pop stars do her thing and getting frustrated by it, and so just deciding to go through another iteration of what it means to be Madonna, which I very much respect the, the fact that she's kept herself relevant for shit 40 years as yeah. a pop as a pop singer that's impossible but it, it did remind me that there's there's two ways to be famous and there's the way where you just do your thing and kind of act like a normal human mm-hmm. or, or you do what madonna does and just be a full-on lunatic all the time well well madonna's fame is based on not just like there are certain people who just do their craft and they're famous for doing their craft, but but Madonna is more of like I sing and dance and I'm also this lifestyle brand, and it's the lifestyle brand that she needs to keep pushing herself to the front of the line, and being relatively outlandish and trying to trying to make some sort of impact, <laughs> and and you know for a sixty year old woman I mean the work has obviously gone in. I mean, mm-hmm. she she obviously keeps herself in f- good physical condition, and you know the face, the face has been the face has got plenty of filler in it, but for the most part, she looks like Madonna still. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm less concerned about her appearance, more just that it's it's I don't know. I, I have some dissonance trying to when you watch someone who's clearly an old woman, kind of writhe around on the stage. <laughs> it's just, it's know, a weird thing. I don't know. I think you know if she's if she has you know. She, if she's if if that's what she's down for, great. I mean, I don't really. I mean, I'm not. I'm not tuning in. You know, I think that that for me, you know, the Madonna wedding dress, 1985, crawling or you know, on that giant wedding cake at the at the uh, MTV Music Awards will always be. That's my that's my Madonna. <laughs> the dress you up, um, Madonna is my Madonna. My Madonna was the like a virgin Madonna. I always was partial to the dark hair, dark haired version of Madonna. Yeah, I fell into you know, and I fell into uh, I fell into um, 
the 80s station the other day and they were they were doing a run of madonna and you know there's so there are a ton of good songs they they rattled off like half a dozen madonna songs i was like you know these are great i mean these are, you know ex- express yourself and cherish and uh-huh. you know like a ver- i was like these songs these songs are all these are great tunes i sang right along yeah and, i like uh, la isla bonita yeah <laughs> so so it's um so it's i don't i i guess i don't understand the challenge of being an aging pop star so um but you know whatever she feels like she needs to do she's she's certainly welcome to do um but you know it's it's i don't know who it's for that's what i was gonna get at it's like who are these people that are like yes i'm so inspired by madonna it's like a wine mom thing i don't know about (laughs) maybe 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 but you know i think that if you're a wine mom and you're super down with madonna right now let us know right (laughs) i am i'm a sort of a believer and i have this theory that i'm working on it's like it's it's essentially your first four album they have this it this comes from the and again this is probably a whole segment that we should do but it was there was a there was a twitter meme going around to say whose best album was their third album Uh uh-huh i remember that all right so i i participated in that and then i thought to myself really it's about four albums like if you can make your impact in four records or four albums as a music as a then all you have to do is play hits from those first those four albums for the rest of your life like no one wants to hear no one wants to hear hits from your fifth album or your sixth album right so that's the, the most part. that's your other option is just to do something and then only do that one thing forever right madonna should just set up a las vegas show now that celine dion's packed her bags out of caesars and just play the hits come out play 12 or 13 songs in your show choreograph it and just and then just watch the money come pouring in (laughs) but you know i don't know but but if she if she feels like she wants to be part of the zeitgeist again well more power to her i just don't know if it's possible yeah i don't she has that song it's on the radio medellin (laughs) medellin it's Good enough to not force me to turn it off when it comes on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's not, you know, some of the new Taylor Swift. I think that. Oh God, that's just terrible. <laughs> it's, it's the, um, yeah, it's it's very bad, and uh, and I'm, you know, king of the T Swizzle defenders. Yeah, but, you need to calm down. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but with Madonna, it's like you know, I think she sat at home and watched lady gaga have a full-on right. career yeah, on her mad. on her act yeah and said well, that's bullshit yeah. and then and then lady gaga went and acted and like got nominated for an academy award and then madonna just put her over the edge she's like the fuck <laughs> i'm back i gotta go back i gotta go back i can't let gaga like number one steal my entire music catalog and then act and get a, you know get, get a and almost get an oscar yeah They're ridiculous well, the last thing I was going to say about this, if you don't change, you can be like the same brand all the time. And that works too. Like you talked about the four album impact. Like think of Keith Urban. Like Keith Urban is to country music as like Pitbull is to dance hall. <laughs> you, you right. know, you're, you're around, you're hosting shows. You're just living off the previous success of your career. You're delivering the exact same product every time you get out on stage. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it's the U two model. Just right. we're going to do this, and we're only going to do this. Right. And but to Keith Urban's credit, he can shred. That's true. He's a great guitar player. Yeah. Which and Pitbull has no redeeming qualities. He's the hardest working man in show business. <laughs> He's not afraid to hustle, Mister Worldwide. I guess, I guess I'll, I'll give him that. Dale. 
<laughs> all right, that's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to Two on Three Pod. We hope you stuck with us through the golf segments, and we hope we also live help you live a more deeply examined life, especially when it comes to you know playing golf and not cheating at it. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, and don't be share, shy rather about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. You know, I think our download numbers might be down a little bit this week. <laughs> we have to hide all the golf promotion. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about something else in the promotion to trick people into, into listening to this one. Yeah, well, hopefully if you, you know, didn't listen to it or you're still listening to it, thanks for downloading. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back next week with more pop culture, life strategy, and existentialism. And until then, peace. Peace.